Hi there, I'm Jim. And I'm Claire. Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G, and joining me as always is Dr. Claire LaMonica, our director here at CTLT. Hi, Claire. Hi, Jim. I was getting so expressive, I bumped my microphone as we were doing that. But you know what? We're going to keep it. We're not editing that out. So uh, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. And it's, you know, we're recording this at the beginning of August. I know. It's the most exciting time of the year. Uh, it really is uh, in some ways. Um, you know, when I was in high school and stuff, this would be like marching band season was getting, oh, you know, all yeah. that stuff. And yeah. we and even younger, we would be talking school supplies. Yeah. Now that I am ostensibly an adult and I am uh, occasionally teaching courses, including one this fall, um, I have the S word on my mind. So hopefully we can talk today about syllabus. Syllabus. That S word. That okay, S word. let's do that one. There are actually yeah. a couple rolling around in there, but I think that's that's the important one. So. Like, oh my goodness, school's yeah. about to start. Yeah. School's about to start, yeah. Um, so uh, today we, we, we were talking, you know, this is a big topic, and we're probably going to do is. many podcasts over the years on just on the con- uh, concept of syllabi. Um, I'm proud to know I know the proper plural that's, for syllabus. So Syllabuses. Um and so today we wanted to talk a little bit about what kind of kind of a bigger picture perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, thinking about the syllabus as a rhetorical act, okay, or as a rhetorical document, I guess. Writing the syllabus is a rhetorical act. Now, the- now we may have scared some people by using the R word, which is rhetoric, <laughs> because in our culture, of course, rhetoric usually has kind of a is oh. kind of a has a kind of a negative connotation. Yes. Oh, it's yes. a, you know, especially yeah. it's, it's empty it's, rhetoric. It's and it's the summer of 2016. We're in the middle of a of a very uh, interesting political season, which we're not going to comment on necessarily. Uh, but um, so when we're talking about rhetoric, we're talking about what constructing a a, a convincing argument. Right. It's it's making an argument, making a message. Uh, sending a message in a way that the people who you want to hear it can hear it are most likely to hear it and accept it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really what we're talking about. And, and we talk about um, we talk about writing as a rhetorical act in uh, first year composition. Um, you know, it's just a good way of letting people think about writing without saying. Here are strict forms and formulas for mm-hmm. how to do this. Mm-hmm. Instead, we say, hey, think about your audience, the people who you want to read this, the people who you want to reach. So so you so you see a lot of syllabi in, in, in your role here at CTLT. Um, what's uh, when you're talking about reaching that audience, uh, what can we do to address that that what is the audience? I guess well, I think question. that's I think that's probably actually a much more confusing thing than we might think because right. really truly the audience that you should have in mind when you're constructing your syllabus is your students. Mm-hmm. The students in the class for whom the syllabus is for which the syllabus is constructed. Mm-hmm. Um what I see are tend to be documents constructed for um our peers, other faculty members, mm-hmm. um, sometimes for curriculum committees, which is that's you know that's totally understandable mm-hmm. because uh, you know the first thing you have to do, one of the first things you have to do if you're proposing a course is construct a syllabus, mm-hmm. and in that case, you're making an argument to the curriculum committee 
that this is a course that should be offered in your department and in your college. Um, but if you just take that syllabus as constructed for the curriculum committee and put it in front of your students, they're going to sense a distance. Mm -hmm. um, one of the first things they'll notice is that they are being referred to in the third person rather than the second person. Mm -hmm. So even though it's ostensibly written for them, it's, see, it sounds as if it were written about them. I see. Students will. Yeah. Students should. Yes. Um, students are expected to. So, so would you suggest then that, that we say, you you will do this or you will? I would suggest that. Okay. Yes. Okay. I would, I would suggest that because I would suggest that we think about our students as we're constructing our syllabus. Okay. Not our colleagues. It's okay if you have a version of your syllabus that you use for curriculum committees. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. If you think it's important to have a more uh, formal version for your promotion and tenure packet, I wouldn't actually recommend that. I would recommend using the syllabus mm -hmm. that actually speaks to your students. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are places where you might feel like you need a more formal version. But I would – I think that your main audience for your syllabus should be your students and it should it should be written that way. Another thing that we talk about when we, when we talk to developing writers about rhetoric is um, – Considering your purpose, mm -hmm. and that goes—that's so closely aligned with with audience. So, uh, if if your purpose is to get a course approved for your curriculum, mm -hmm. then your audience is your curriculum committee, and you may you may create the syllabus in that way. Mm -hmm. But when you take that, when you when the course is approved and you go to teach it, then you need to remember that the people who are going to be reading the syllabus, the people that you want to read the syllabus, because mm -hmm. it's in the syllabus, right. those people are your students. And so it becomes a completely different kind of document. Mm -hmm. Now, some people think that the purpose of a syllabus is to be um, a contract with the students. And some people actually have students uh, sign. I'm, I'm one page. of them. You are I'm one, one of, of them. them. Yes. And that's, and that's, that's fine. Uh -huh. I think that's, I think that's okay. Um, there are other ways to look at it. You could see it essentially as a sales pitch for your course. Mm. So this is probably the first course document that students are going to see. Right. Um, you may be sending it to them in advance. You may be putting in ReggieNet where they have access to it in advance of the mm -hmm. first day. Um, but in, in that case, it becomes, they may see it before they ever see you. And they may use the syllabus to make judgments about you and about your course. Well, and and I and to me that's almost a goal because you know back I was thinking about this last night. You know, twenty five years ago when I was an, an undergraduate student, um, you never saw the syllabus before you saw the instructor because the syllabi right. were only on physical paper. Right. So my which first you day, could lose. yeah, which you could lose. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, and they were hard to read because they were mimeographed or what you know. <laughs> Not but quite they that. smelled great. But they smelled great. That's right. Um, and now my goal now is to actually make sure that they get that syllabus along with an, a welcoming email message yes. from me yes. uh, beforehand. Because yes. I and I don't know if there's an expectation on the students' uh, part these days that that happens. But whether whether they expect it or not, I, I like to have kind of the ground prepared before they come in. 
uh, for that first day of class. So yeah, I think that that's, that's I think that's a great idea. Uh-huh. And and you know, Ken Bain uh, talks about the promising syllabus, mm-hmm. and which we can talk more about at another time. But but he says your syllabus should be an invitation to a feast. Mm. You know, which I love that metaphor because it just calls to mind this banquet table of amazing options right. laid out in front of me, you know, and, and I get to, um, and, and there are going to be great people there with me, and mm-hmm. there's going to be great conversations and lively, and it's just, it's such a great image, and it's uh, it's also an image that actually kind of works well for a course, you know. We, mm-hmm. we want to create a community of learners. We want people to be excited about what the topics that we're addressing. Um, we want people to have options and um, to be excited about the options that they see in front of them and, mm-hmm. and be able to sort of pick and choose. So, yeah, I you know, I think that's – I really like that metaphor. So um, it, talking about the syllabus as a rhetorical exercise um, – mm-hmm. Uh, going past the idea of the curriculum committee, you know, for example, I I typically inherit a, a cor- an existing sure. course. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so whether you're inheriting someone else's syllabus or you're dusting off that tried and true syllabus that you've used for many semesters, when you try to look at it anew, what's the step-by-step rhetorical process of, of actually making that argument? Well, I think um, – I think the first thing you want to do is to um, to get students excited about the course mm-hmm. and to understand the why. So there's a great TED talk by a guy named Simon Sinek, and he's he's really talking to businesses. Um, and sometime we'll talk about that. I, I think that would make a great podcast. But but he talks about something called the golden circle, and mm-hmm. he says that um, in the middle of the circle, kind of the bullseye, is why. Why are why am I doing this? Why do we do this? Why as a as a class do we do this? Why as a discipline do we do this? He talks, of course, about why a business does what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the next ring out is um, how you do it, and and the 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 biggest ring is what what you do. So um, I kind of think about this in terms of. Um, why should your students care about this course? And and Cynic says um, the goal is to sort of hit the bullseye, hit that center ring. That really that's what sells people. Um, we we tend to think that what sells people is the what, but it's really the why. It's getting to the core of the matter. So um, I think it's really important for students to know um, why should they care about the course. Why do you care about the course? You know, that's something that we, you as the instructor. Me as, me as the instructor. Yeah, you as All the right. instructor. Why do you think it's important? Right. And, you know, part of that, okay, well, you know, you're a guy who majored in communication, right? So right. when so you this teach is, a communication yeah. course, it's, oh, uh, yeah, well, you know, of course, yeah, of course he thinks it's important. Right. But um, somebody in COM 110 mm-hmm. really needs to be sold on why is this important, mm-hmm. especially given the le- level of communication anxiety that, you know, that most sure. of us have at the age of 18? <laughs> yes, exactly. And and why it's important beyond just the the uh, kind of overarching, I'm coming to college to get a job. Right. Because cause this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. Uh, sort of thing. So it has to be yes. specific to the to the subject matter that, that, that you're talking about and specific to their, they have to find an individual connection within their own their own perspective. In yeah. other words, connect to them yeah. as individuals, not just as a certain 
target population or a certain right. demographic or whatever. Right. And that sort of gets to the how. So the, the how is, um, I like to think of it in terms of teaching as how are the students in this course going to be transformed? Mm-hmm. So a lot of students tend to think of learning as something that they do. Um, it's, it's very short term. They, they binge study on the night before the exam. They cram a lot of stuff into their heads. They come into the exam um, or the, the final presentation or whatever and just sort of it's kind of a, a mind dump, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's gone. Um, but we're in the business of transforming lives and our courses should be transformative for our students. So that leads to something that at CTLT, when we talk about course design, we talk about having a transformational goal. What is the transformation that you want to see in your students? Mm-hmm. How will they be changed by your course? How will they be different at the end of the semester in ways that mean that they can never be the same person again that they were when they came when they came into the class. Um, and then cynics outside um, circle is uh, is the what, um, and and I'd like to think about that in terms of um, what are we going to do in this course that will create this transformation that mm-hmm. will make us all different at the end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that gets down to kind of the nitty-gritty, the um, right. yeah. the learning outcomes, the learning activities, right. um, you know, the the assessment portions and so on and so forth. Um so all of that, you mm-hmm. know, can be can be in your syllabus and it can all be stated in very in very positive mm-hmm. ways, which I think the overall tone is um is hugely important. So, do you think it's important within a syllabus to have uh, some sort of statement of your, you, the instructors, uh, teaching philosophy, or is that getting too much into, do, do, will students not relate to that? Should that be reflected throughout the entire document in some way? You know, I kind of hate to say this, and we should talk about this sometime too, but we're getting to a point where all teaching philosophies sort of sound alike. Well, they do, don't they? You know, I mean, there's it's kind a, of, there's yeah. a, there's a, uh, a lexicon of buzzwords out there Mm -hmm. and everybody Mm -hmm. puts them into their teaching philosophies. I wouldn't say so much their, your teaching philosophy as your, um, your interest in this course. Okay. Your, your, your connection to this course. Okay. Um, I, I talked to, a um, I I was working with somebody, um, from the College of Nursing. And, and this was years ago. I, I mm-hmm. think she's retired. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she was teaching a course in uh, research, uh, nursing in, in nursing research. And she brought me her syllabus, and um, it was, you know, a fairly dry document. And mm-hmm. she said that her concern about the course was that students just couldn't get excited about research. They were they wanted to be nurses, right? And they didn't see any value in a course about research. And she said to me, a huge number, tens of thousands. She said, tens of thousands of people die every year because the nursing and medical professions don't keep up with the research. Mm-hmm. So there are things we know mm-hmm. that could save lives. Mm-hmm. There are things researchers know that could save lives, but there are researchers and there are practitioners, and and if they're not talking to each other, right, then it you know the research doesn't get into the field. And I was just I was like so blown away by that, and yeah. I said, "Wow, that should be in your syllabus." Uh huh. 
And she said, why? And I said, because that's why this course is really important. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it hits your students where they live. Everybody becomes a nurse because she wants to help people or he wants Mm -hmm. to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so knowing that a failure to stay current with research Mm -hmm. could, in fact, harm people is a, a great motivator for taking this course and learning something about research in the field. And and not every instance that we come up with has to be a life or death situation, no, but there are no. certainly those that, that, that critically speak to, to the reason why students think they're interested in taking the course to begin with. Right. And if you can find that little, that little nugget, um, and sometimes it's very obvious, sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's so obvious that you miss it. Um, then, <laughs> then you know, stating the obvious can can actually be a benefit there. So, one last kind of question because we we are running a, a, out of time for this portion, but we are going to continue the syllabus conversation and and maybe on a more granular granular is that the yeah. right word <laughs> level um, uh, next next time. Um, you you actually use the phrase that we as teachers often hear. Uh, hear ourselves say or want to say, usually not necessarily with the kind of sentiment behind it, and that is, it's in the syllabus. <laughs> so even if you go through and you create this grand document that that speaks to individual students and whatnot, I still suspect that at some point during the semester, a student's going to ask you a question, and you're going to want to say, <sighs> It's in the syllabus. It's in the syllabus. <laughs> That's so, all I want to say. It. Exactly. So uh, do you have any advice for for, uh, for teachers how to deal with that sort of situation, how to deal with that frustration? Do you, do you have, do you make an example out of someone once oh. or, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you do with it? I don't, I don't make examples. I, I try, well, I try not to make examples mm-hmm. out of people mm-hmm. publicly. Um, the, you know, the stocks went out of fashion a long time ago, but um <laughs> But I do not hesitate to say to a student who asks a question that's answered in the syllabus, that's in the syllabus. Yeah. Go back, look at it. Yeah. Look, perhaps I'll give them a hint. I'll say, look especially at this section. Right. But not always. I'll say, you go back and look at the syllabus. Mm-hmm. And if you truly can't find it, you bring the syllabus to me mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I rarely have to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I just, I, I don't like answering the same question over and over. You know, another option is um, people who teach online have this great uh, tool at their disposal, and and it would be available to anybody who's using ReggieNet or Mm -hmm. or an online uh, teaching tool, um, and that's a discussion forum. Mm -hmm. And many people who teach online create a discussion forum uh, called Course Questions or questions about the course. Mm-hmm. And students are invited to ask that kind of question, mm-hmm. to pose that in the forum, and they answer them for each other. And you can still look and make sure that they're giving the correct answer. Because sure. the flip side is... Well, sometimes you, don't want, you don't want everybody getting you know, misinformation, right? right. But, yeah. um, but so you can you can keep an eye on that. But more often than not, what you'll find is that you don't have to you don't have to say anything. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I like that idea. So any final thoughts about the philosophy of the syllabus? Um, you know, we talked a little bit about tone. Um, and I would say, I would say the most important piece that we haven't talked about, and what we can talk about this a little bit in the next section, has to do with um, the the tone of your policies. Okay. Um, and and I and I think let's talk about that next. Yeah, I think that's a good I place to that's, stop. That's yeah. going to be um, key to that section. 
That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. You can find out more about the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology at our website at ctlt.illinoisstate.edu. Once you go there, click on the podcast link at the top of the page. You'll find a link to show notes for this episode and links to other episodes maybe you haven't listened to yet. So for Claire LaMonica and everyone here at the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology, I'm Jim G. Until we talk next time, happy teaching.